Hello, and welcome to AOL Church, a place to connect. This is where we gather together common people and equip them to live connected lives. AOL Church exists to connect with God, connect with people, and ultimately connect people with God. Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. Now, let's listen in on this week's sermon. Exodus chapter 17, verse 9. We'll read through verse 16. Verse 9 says this, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out and fight with Let's stop here just for a second. Hallelujah. Would you just either close your eyes, raise your hands in this house. Spirit of the Lord is just interrupting here just for a moment. Man, there's something. what was that pastor I don't know but I know there was a divine interruption right there Jesus hallelujah Feel something. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, let's try it again. Hallelujah. Wait for a moment. Just entertain the spirit just for a moment. God, we thank you, Jesus. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 
Hallelujah. Something just erupted in the spiritual realm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whew. There's something in this place. The divine presence of God is in this place. Hallelujah. The mighty King, the mighty Savior. Hallelujah, is walking in this house. I feel the power of his presence. Pastor, what's he doing? Doesn't matter. He can do whatever he wants to do. Pastor, isn't that tongues interpretation? I really feel like God has interrupted this service because he wants to prepare us for what is getting ready to happen. I really believe that God wants to prepare your heart. God wants to prepare your spirit. God wants to prepare your mind for what's getting ready to happen in the name of Jesus. So before we even try to go on, hallelujah. Would you just get your mind on him? Would you get your heart on him? Would you let your spirit get in tune? Would you step into the flow, hallelujah, that is in this place right now? God, we feel your presence. time well let's not try it one more time that's not really the correct thing to say praise God let's just see where God wants us to go from here hallelujah you may not understand this a lot of times I will not say it but I'm telling you right now, this morning has been a struggle, has been a horrible morning. Hallelujah. I woke up. I did not even know if I'd be standing behind this pulpit today. I woke up feeling so bad. But now I understand it's just the attack of the enemy for what God wants to do at in this place.
Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for that. Hallelujah. Speaking Jesus, I believe it. I believe it, God. Hallelujah. Tatakaramataya. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that in Jesus' name. I believe it. You're stand, I don't want to keep you standing. Let's read very quickly. Verse 9 again. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And they sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and release it in the ears of Joshua or release it in the ears of praise. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Release this in the ears of praise so that you rehearse it every time you worship and magnify me to know that I am going to take care of your enemies. That I, hallelujah, am going to make them so they are not even going to be a, a remembrance, hallelujah, unto you. So can I say like this, every time you praise, not only are you giving God the honor and the glory, but you're reminding the enemy, my God is going to take care. Every time you say hallelujah, every time you clap your hands, every time you give God praise, you're letting the enemy know you are defeated. You're letting the enemy know, hallelujah, my God's going to take you out. You're letting the enemy know, I might be in pain, I might be going through something, but my God, hallelujah, hallelujah, is going to take care of my enemies, hallelujah. If you're here today, you want God to take care of your enemies, would you give God a crazy praise? Would you give God a worship? Would you give God...
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I know you've been standing. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to preach, if I can, going the distance on what matters. Going the distance on what matters. There is a story that is entitled, Wrong Way Regals. The story of Wrong Way Regals is a very familiar one. It was on New Year's Day, 1929. Georgia Tech played UCLA in the Rose Bowl. In that game, a young man by the name of Roy, of Roy Riggles recovered a fumble in UCLA. Picking up the loose ball, he lost his direction and ran 65 yards toward the wrong goal line. One of his teammates, Benny Lam, ran him down, tackled him just before he scored for the opposing team. Several plays later, the Bruins had to punt. Georgia Tech blocked the kick and scored a safety, demoralizing the UCLA team. The strange play came in the first half. At halftime, the UCLA players fouled off the team, fouled off the field, and into the dressing room. The others sat down on the benches and the floor. Roy put a blanket around his shoulders, sat down in a corner, and put his face in his hands. When the timekeeper came in and announced that there were three minutes before playing time, Coach Price looked at the team and said, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players got up and started to go out, all but Roy. He did not budge. He did not move. And the coach looked back and called to him and said, Roy, we need to go. And he did not move. Coach Price went over to Roy where he sat and said, Roy, did you not hear what I said? The same team that played the first half will start the second half. Roy Regals looked up, cheeks wet with tears, and said, Coach, I cannot do it. I have ruined myself. I can't face the crowd that's out there. Coach Price reached out, put his hand on his shoulder, and said, Roy, get up and go back on that field. The game is only half over. Royal finally gets up. He went onto the field, and the fans saw him play hard and saw him play well. Can I tell you, hallelujah, the game, the journey that we are in is only half over. It has done nothing what has happened to this point does not matter. Hallelujah. 
does not matter how bad you've messed up. It does not matter about the mistakes that you've made. It does not matter, hallelujah, what you think you look like. Hallelujah. You've, it's only half over. Hallelujah. If you will notice in the reading of the verses that we have just read, it does not talk about Moses' prayer. It does not give us his words. It does not tell us how eloquent it was. It does not tell us about uh, each word that he would express. It does not tell us that if it was a fervent prayer. In fact, it doesn't even mention his prayer at all. It just alludes uh, that he goes up on a mountain and we just and we just get the idea that he prayed, but the scripture does not mention anything about Moses' prayer. It does not give us the words. It does not tell us anything about it. It majors on the man of God's hands being up. And then it majors on not only his hands being up, but supported for Israel to have complete and total victory. It is the man of God that's standing in the gap between heaven and earth. It's the man of God that's standing there, hallelujah, between the problem and the promise. It's the man of God that's standing in the gap between heaven and earth in the position of the mediator from the supernatural to the natural and from the natural to the supernatural. The issue in the day that we are living in is the enemy is warring against people in every area to keep them from being committed, from keep them from being, hallelujah, uh, 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 devoted, and keep them, hallelujah, from being faithful and recognizing the value, hallelujah, of the church and the value of the word of God and the value of the man of God that's been placed. And trying to rob the people to, of the value of the man of God and the gifting and the anointing that God has placed upon the man of God to be able to help you to be all that God has called you to be. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you could do it yourself, then God would have never placed a man of God in your life. If you could do it on your own, then God would have never gave you a pastor in your life. Mm -hmm. Just stick with me for just a moment, all right? Hallelujah, we're going somewhere. I'm just trying to build it, the foundation. Jeremiah 3 and 15 says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's something right there because when God gives you something out of his own heart, we talk about David being a man after, God, after God's heart, but you have to understand if God's giving you something out of his heart. So the pastor is a gift from God 
to you to help you to get where God wants you to get. Pastors are there to help guide, shield you, and protect you. Let me try this. Where and what would our lives be like without the ministry, without the steady and prayerful hand of the shepherd guiding and leading us in the direction of God? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 4 2 through 5 says, preach the word. Be instant in season. What does that mean? Present in the time of need. Out of season. In opportune times. Reprove. Challenge. Rebuke. Forbid. Exhort. Invite. With all long suffering, meaning patience, and doctrine, meaning teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching or tickled ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables or fiction. But watch thou in all things, endure hallelujah afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. What does that mean? That means the man of God won't allow anything in the fold, in the church that might harm us. Praise God, hallelujah. The man of God, hallelujah, is commanded to do three things in this scripture. Number one, reprove. What does that mean? To expose things that are wrong for the purpose of improvement. Number two, rebuke. What does that mean? To admonish or to charge. And number three, exhort. It means to encourage, strengthen, to comfort. Some people, some people think, I don't need a man of God. Even though the media invades our homes. And even though the media invades our minds every single day with their perspective. Some might even say, and some even think this way, that we shouldn't talk about these things in front of our youth. While all the time the world is trying to indoctrinate them behind our backs with pseudo tolerance and their own brand of immorality and hallelujah. And, and, and you should thank God that God has given you a pastor in your life. You should thank God that God's given you a man, a God in your life. Hallelujah. I don't like to preach about this type of thing because it seems like I'm preaching about myself, but I'm building the foundation. How many young people must fall into sin before we address it? 
How many times must volunteer ministries within the church be attacked to the point of discouragement before we stand up against the evil twins of gossip and criticism? How many marriages have to go down in flames before we raise a voice to declare God's protective commandments? Hallelujah with authority. How far do we allow personal holiness to slip away, hallelujah, from the Pentecostal movement before, hallelujah, we stay, we turn the tide and say, you know what, we're not going to take it any longer. You know what, this is not going to be robbed from the church. You know what, this is not going to be robbed from, the ho- from our house. So I come today, I stand here in the strength of the Holy Ghost covered by the blood of Jesus and on the authority of God's word to tell you, hallelujah, praise God, God has our back. God is going to give us victory over our enemy, God. Don't give up now. Go the distance on what matters. Don't give up now. Hallelujah. Go all the way. The Bible says Moses told Joshua to choose men who will fight. Choose men who will fight. Moses told Joshua. Hallelujah. To choose men, and I'm just not going to keep it in men. Choose men, godly men. Choose godly women. Moses told Joshua, choose men who will fight the enemy. Moses did not set qualifications. Moses did not say they had to have certain experience. Moses did not say they had to have training skills for the army. He just said, Joshua, choose you men. Joshua did so. He chose men who had faith in God. He chose men who trusted in God. He chose men who could died defending the sovereignty of God and he went to fight in the valley. We need some godly men and we need some godly women that that would put their life on the line to fight not on the mountaintop but in the valley. Hallelujah. Moses took him, her, and he took Aaron up to the hilltop. God is looking for people to come up higher. God's calling for his people to step up higher. God's calling for his people, hallelujah, to go to the next realm, to the next level. Hallelujah. Moses is inviting them, or should I say Moses is introducing them to the next level. Can I tell you today, God's already come in this service and he's inviting us and he's introducing us to go to the next level. Yeah. 
I wish I had a little bit more than that, but that's all right. Hallelujah. He only had Aaron and her. But God is inviting us. God's introducing us to go to the next level. Tell somebody around you it's for a purpose. God has a plan. God has a strategy. It's for a purpose. Why? Joshua was fighting the ground force while Moses was fighting the air force. You must have the ability to fight both ground and spiritual forces in your life at the same time. My God. You must be fighting both areas in the natural and the spirit. When Moses went onto the mountain, it was because for he to, ha to have oversight, Moses on the hill, from experience and from the Bible, we understand the importance of the ministry having the oversight of the flock of God. We understand that the man of God is put in position so he can watch over and see everything. Oh my gosh. If you don't believe me, then we need to understand that Acts 20 and 28 says, Take heed therefore unto thyselves and to the, all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, oh my gosh, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. What are you talking about? When Moses stepped up on the hill, when Moses went in that position that he could see everything, he was the man of God. Hallelujah. As a representation of the watchman on the wall for your soul. Hallelujah. You better be, you better be thankful that you've got a watchman on the wall. You better be thankful, hallelujah, that God has put men and God has put people in position to be the watchman. Ezekiel 33 and 6 says, but if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will be required at the watchman's hand. Ezekiel 3, 17 says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die. 
the man of God must give warnings for both his sake and the sake of the people that are hearing him. Even though the man of God will give an account to God for you, we are still the ones who will suffer if we disobey the spiritual leadership that God has given to us as a gift. Uh -huh. Moses' service, Moses climbed up the mountainside where he could see the conflict. Oh my gosh, hallelujah. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how long of, in church you think that you've been. I don't care what position you hold. I don't care what you think you know. I don't care if you even think, hey, you know what? I'm on the same place. Let me tell you something. After 10 and a half years of full-time ministry, I personally feel I need to go back to every pastor and apologize to them because I didn't know what I thought I knew. I don't care if you're a assistant pastor. I don't care if you're a youth pastor. I don't care what kind of position you hold in the church. You don't know what it's like to be the pastor of the church. You don't know what it's like. He went up on the hill where he could see the conflict. There he lifted up the rod of God. Hands versus hands down. Hands up versus hands down. The scales of the conflict were in the hands of Moses. You didn't hear me. The scales of the conflict were in the hands of Moses. The service of Moses lay in very close communication with God. He went up there, and he was the only one that was in position to have and be in close communication with God. Visible victories depend on spiritual battles. Visual victories depend on spiritual battles. The mountain represents a higher realm. The hill represents higher than natural. The hill represents above the natural. And the man of God can see everything that is going on. Oh, my gosh. He took Aaron and her. They were, they were able men who could see and who could act. Can I tell you today? Get vigilant men. Get men who can pray. Get people who can evangelize. Get people who can preach without a pulpit. Oh my gosh. Get people who can worship God. Get people who can sing praises. Get people who take prayer and fasting seriously. Get people who can do all things in the house of God. Get somebody who can win souls. Get somebody that's got a burden for the lost. Who 
helping the hands of Moses. Aaron Hur went up to the hill, mountain, whatever you want to call it, not as spectators, but as partakers of the battle. They went up higher. They were operating on a whole other dimension. They were engaging in the supernatural. God's looking for some people that has a heart for the things of God. Mm -hmm. God's looking for a church that has a heart for the things of God. Oh my gosh. God will always put you through the heart test. There came a time in the life of Saul, though he disobeyed God. God told Samuel to tell Saul to go down and kill. What? The Amalekites. Saul went down, spared King Agag. And some of the best cattle. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of God. I have obeyed the voice of God. In your mind, you have. In your perspective, you have. But you disobeyed the voice of the Lord. Samuel began to tell Saul that he had disobeyed the Lord. You disobeyed the man of God. You disobeyed the voice of God that is in your life. And Saul began to make excuses. But they were not acceptable. And just as Saul was judged in the physical kingdom, we will be judged in the spiritual kingdom. For God has given us the power. I had, man, that's weak. For God has given us the power. Put us, put us in power to kill and destroy every enemy that comes against us. That's why we are where we are right now. Because you don't understand the power that's within you. God has given to you to kill every enemy that ever comes against you. I'll try again. That comes against our family. Comes against the people of God. We will, not maybe, not perhaps, we will, we will be judged for our inability to let things live in our life that should be killed. That has the potential or carries the curse to rent the kingdom from your life. Our text today, they're fighting against the same enemy that Saul 
was supposed to kill. And now we have different people having to do a different battle because somebody with power that God put in the position of authority did not kill what they're supposed to kill. There are too many people, and I'll get a little bit, I'll go a little bit deeper. There are too many ministers that are falling and failing because of disobedience to the man of God. Disobedience leads to loss. And if you're, diso- and if you're disobedient, you lose opportunities. Mm-hmm. If you're disobedient, you lose rights and privileges that should be extended to you. Oh, my gosh. Because of this disobedience, God rejected Saul and began to look for another king to rule Israel. And in the process of time, Saul was slain in the battle on what? At Mount Gibeah. Understand, hallelujah, where Moses is standing on the hill. Saul died on the hill. Where one man that had the potential and the power and the anointing and the burden standing on the hill for the people of God. Saul with the same opportunity. Saul with the same anointing. Saul with the same position. Saul with the same authority dies on the mountain. Hallelujah. Saul failed God's heart test. God has a heart test for everyone. I said God has a heart test for everybody in the world today. Can I tell you right now, God's searching for hearts that are ready to obey him. I'm telling you in this day, in the name of Jesus, he's come to this place. That's why we feel him in this service today, because God's come searching for hearts that are ready to obey him. It takes a humble heart. It takes a broken heart. It takes a meek heart before the Lord. It is going to take obeying the word of God and living a holy life in this world of sin. I'm just going to make it plain today. God spoke to Samuel and said, And told him, go to the house of Jesse and anoint there a man who will be king over Israel. And I can see Samuel as he took the horn of oil. And that horn of oil is a bloody horn that's been cut off from the head of an ox so it might carry the oil. And the blood and the oil are then together or mixed together because God is trying to teach the people or God is trying to teach us that there is a sacrifice with anointing. 
And as Samuel begins his journey to the house of Jesse, he's carrying this horn that is full of oil, but also is mingled with blood. Mm. Because he's trying not only to teach us, but he's teaching Samuel, hallelujah, that anointing doesn't come without sacrifice. For all you that want to be anointed, thank God for it. And I believe God wants to do it. But can I be truthful today? It will not come without a sacrifice. And it will not come without the oil and the blood being mingled together. He told Jesse, gather all your sons. Go get every son you got. And there, he said, to anoint them one to be king over Israel. Go get all your sons, Jesse. Oh, my gosh. The Lord's just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say, okay, I can't add that God. I can't add that God. I can't add that God. But can I tell you, Jesse's just as disobedient as Saul is. Go get all your sons. He got the ones he thought, but left David in the field. Quit getting bent out of shape. Hallelujah. When flesh and man forget about you. God has not forgot about you. They might not think that you're a son, but God said you're a son of the living God. Hallelujah. It says when Jesse starts lining up his sons that the oil won't flow. Can I stop and just tell you here? Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how much you line up. It doesn't matter how much you try to put before God. It doesn't matter how many, many times you come before God. If it's not right, the oil's not going to flow. If it's not... Now, historians say at the tip or the cap of the horn, there was a wax seal that kept the oil from coming out. That's how you could travel with it. That's how you could have the oil and then not get over or, or get uh, all over everything because it had this wax cap on it. Jesse told his oldest son to pass by Samuel first. After all, this is probably the one anyway. So here comes his oldest son, Eliab, and as he passed before Samuel, it wasn't him because he rejected him because God looked into his heart and he failed the heart test. The second son of Jesse began to walk by Samuel. His name was, uh, 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 um, I can't think of what his name is now, Abinadab. God looked into his heart and failed the heart test. 
Then came the third son to pass by him, pass by Samuel. His name was Shema. And God looked in his heart. And he failed the heart test. Son number four came, passed by Samuel. God did not choose him. Son number five passed by. Son number six passed by. Then son number seven passed by. And all seven sons of Jesse failed the heart test and were refused by God. There will be a lot of things passed by the man of God before God comes in glory. Before the chief shepherd appears, many things will come to pass. Many things will pass by the man of God. All the glory in the world will come and pass away. All the sin and wickedness of this world will come and pass away. All the riches of this world will come and pass away. All the fame of this world will come and pass away. Everyone who fails a heart test will come and pass away. But then here comes David. Isn't it funny? Hallelujah. They call all seven sons, but they forget David. But when the man of God, when Samuel says, you got anybody else? They knew exactly where David was. Oh, my gosh. He did not have the great physical form like his older brothers. But his heart was right with God. He had the heart of a shepherd. He knew the meaning and what it was to take care of sheep. My gosh. And what we need is the heart of the shepherd. We are not a true shepherd until we pass God's heart test. Here comes David, fresh from the Shepherd's field. Mm. There's a lot of people that want to operate in the anointing. There's a lot of people that want the position of the pastor. Hallelujah. But they want to skip being in the field. He didn't stop to comb his hair or change his garments. Not saying that that's all right. You could smell where he had been as soon as he walked in the door. Samuel isn't sure. David isn't sure. Jesse isn't sure. But the oil is sure. There is a flow. With your name on it. Can I say it again? There is a flow with your name on it. Quit being so worried about if it's passed you by. Quit being so worried about if somebody else is going to take your anointing. There is a flow that only has your name on it. And when you get lined up with the will of God, and when you get lined up with the word of God, and when you get lined up with the man of God, 
everything that's been on hold is going to break loose over your life. Everything that's been on hold is going to break forth. Some of you should have just went crazy on that right there. Some of you that's been waiting on things. Some of you that have thought, hallelujah, it's never going to happen. You need to understand, hallelujah, when you get in line with the will of God, the word of God, the man of God, hallelujah, it's going to break loose in your life. Samuel turned and looked at David, and God said, this is he. Anoint him to be king over Israel. Samuel took the anointing oil, poured it upon David, and proclaimed him king of Israel. Why? God looked on the heart of David, and he passed the heart test. He had a humble heart. He had a tender heart. He had a heart of a shepherd. And God came directly from the shepherd's field. David came directly from the shepherd's field to be king of Israel. While Moses has his hands up worshiping God, the army of Israel pre prevailed in battle. But when Moses couldn't hold his hands up, for the weight of his arms and the length of time and the, the, the sheer fatigue of, of, of humanity, the army of Israel would start losing. Hallelujah. Now, I was going to start off this message having someone come up here and hold their arms up and say, hold them up as long as you can hold them up. And when they got tired, I was going to replace them with somebody else and then replace them with somebody else because it, it, you can't hold your hands up for very long. But I thought I'd give you just a little break today, okay? <laughs> Don't want to rob you of your joy. Don't want to rob you, hallelujah, of your worship or nothing of that, hallelujah. The Bible says when Moses held his hands up, Israel... Joshua prevailed, and when he let him down, the enemy prevailed. Can I tell you, you need a man of God in your life that will not stop what they're doing, because if they stop what they're doing, you will be in serious trouble. You need a man of God that's not going to give up. You need a man of God that's not going to give in. You need a man of God. The pastor must hold on, but he needs your support. He needs someone to help him. Hallelujah. Why? For you to win. Not for him to win, but for you to win. Tell someone his hands are full. Amalek will prevail against you if that happens. Can I tell you today, Amalek is the, pro is the poverty 
that is attacking you. Amalek is the sickness that is attacking you. Amalek are all the challenges that are taking away your joy and your happiness. Amalek is the thing that's taking away your liberty of freedom. In this battle, there were actually two fights taking place at the same time. Joshua in service, he's in the plain, and he has men that's fighting with him in the valley. Moses in service on the hill as the man of God. And you need both happening at the same time. You need somebody standing on the hill in the supernatural. And you need somebody in the valley in the natural fighting at the same time. Moses literally stood between Israel and the enemy in the spiritual realm. He stood between death and life. He stood between victory and defeat. Hear me. Your victory or your defeat is dependent on the man of God in your life. <laughs> what I thought. Hallelujah. If pastor is just someone that comes and you hear him preach on Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night, hallelujah, or even you don't even come Wednesday, but he's just someone that preaches hallelujah, it's not going to be what I'm talking about today. Because if you don't regard the man of God as valuable in your life, you will never take the next step. And God's here telling us, I'm here to get you to take the next step. I want you to go to the next level. I want you to operate in the next dimension. Some have already got it. Hallelujah. Some even text us. And if you've not been here on Wednesday night, my gosh, the Lord's been moving on a Wednesday night Bible study. Why do you say that, pastors? Because this. Because they noticed something was happening and they stepped in. One on one side, one on the other side. And can I tell, oh my gosh. Can I tell you, they weren't fighting each other for each position. This spirit of competition that's in this church has got to come to a path, got to come to an end. They weren't in competition with each other, seeing who could hold the hand up the best, who could pay the best. No. They took their position. They knew who they were. They knew why they were there. They were just understanding, you know what? Hallelujah. I'm just thankful to be in the realm of the supernatural. One on one side, one on the other side, and held up his hands so the battle could be won. 
We got to get this in our mind today, in our heart today. It's not about me. It's not about you. Not about your ministry. It's not about your anointing. It's not about position. It's about hallelujah. Let's do everything we can do so we can win this battle together. It's about the kingdom. It's about my brother. It's about my sister. It's about all of us making it. (laughs) The rod of God in the hand of Moses. Hand. The rod of God in the hand of Moses. You see, I don't have time for it. I, I can't even bring it out. I shouldn't even say anything about it. But you understand that now it, it's, he says, the rod of God in the hand of Moses. After he's went into Egypt, after God said, throw that thing down and let me show you what I can do with it. After he threw it down and his staff was transferred into a snake and then again into the snake, into the staff, God was showing him right then and there, hallelujah, what you got in your hands, hallelujah, I can take it and do something supernatural. And it no longer was Moses' rod, but now it's God's rod in the hand of Moses. Can I tell you, whatever you do, whatever thing that God uses you to do, whatever you see, whatever you experience, is never going to be because of you. But if you lift your hand up and say and give God all the credit and all the glory and all the praise. Tell somebody quickly that the rod that's, that's in Moses' hand is a rod of God, and it represents authority. My gosh, you get me hot now. Hallelujah. Represents authority. And Moses, when Moses' hands was raised with the rod of God in his hand, the children of Israel prevailed. But when his hands and the rod began to fall, the enemy prevailed. My gosh. It's not just about your worship. My gosh. Okay, Lord. Tell somebody, it's not just about your worship. It's not just about you lifting up your hands. It's not about you just lifting up your voice. Hallelujah. But it's the authority of God that's in it. I don't just lift my hand, but I lift my hands in in the authority of the name of Jesus. I praise, hallelujah, with it in the authority of the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say, hallelujah, whatever you got in your hand, it's not just laying hands on the sick. It's not just laying hands on those, hallelujah, that need to recover. It's when I lift my hand, hallelujah, I'm lifting it in the authority of the name of Jesus. Moses' hands got heavy. That means he grew tired 
under the burden, under the weight of the need. That means he felt the weight of the burden that was on him. The Bible, again, I'll tell you, the Bible does not talk about the prayer of Moses. But the attention is on his hands being raised and his hands being supported. When they connected to the man of God, mm -hmm, when they connected to the man of God, when they grabbed his hands, He's right, and I'll tell you yours. When they grabbed his hands, it did not say they took a stick and propped it up. Did not say that they took something else, you know, to help them. They said they grabbed the hands of the man of God and held it up. When they connected to the man of God, When they became one, oh my gosh. When they became one in mind and one in heart and one in spirit. Can I tell you, when they began to connect to the man of God, they felt power in their prayer. They felt power in their hand. They felt power. My gosh. Not only did they feel the power of connection, they felt the heaviness of a nation of Israel. They felt the heaviness of the nation of Israel. They felt the powerful anointing of the position and the calling of the man of God. They felt the exhausting, endless devotion. They felt the commitment of prayer. They felt the people of God. And they felt the lost. This is where their ministry was established. This is where their ministry was established. This is where their prayer life was infused with passion. Mm -hmm. This is where the weight of the kingdom was awakened in their spirit. This is where impartation of anointing and power and burden and spiritual perception took place in their life. And they took a stone, brought it for Moses to sit on. Where am I at? Oh my gosh. And brought it for Moses to sit on. And can I tell you, when they were there, connected to the man of God, feeling what they felt, things of the supernatural coming upon them, guess what? You don't hear the conversation between these two. Well, if the man of God really knew what I was going through, the man of God really cared about me, he'd slide over a little bit and let me sit down. You know what? I'm tired too. If he really knew what I was going through and he really cared, you know what? He'd offer up my seat. He'd offer up his seat and let me sit down. Can I tell you? It's not the man of God's uh, uh, position, hallelujah, to come down to the level of you. It is your responsibility to go up to the level of the man of God.
not that he cannot. It's not that he doesn't care. It's not that he won't get down, hallelujah, at your level. It's not that he, hallelujah, that he's, he's not going to do that. But God's wanting us to understand it's your responsibility. Took a stone, put it under Moses to sit on. This represents two things. It represents stability. It represents support. It it represents establishing. It represents strength. It represents rest. Even though you're in the battle, you can find rest. Even though you're in the heat of it, you can find rest. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. His hands represent his strength, his spiritual power, his effect in the spiritual realm. I'm trying to, this, mm, this is what I'm trying to get to. There is a spiritual battle and you have to engage on another level. Joshua could fight. Joshua was mighty in battle. But Joshua fighting without Moses lifting was causing him to be beaten in the valley. These two men demonstrated two different levels of fighting one enemy. Oh my gosh. The physical exercise of Joshua fighting in the valley does not discomfort or does not defeat the the, the Amalekites without the spiritual warfare of Moses on the mountaintop. They are both needed at the same time operating as one. Oh my gosh. If your actions and your prayer life and your relationships are Paul pointed in one direction, hallelujah, hallelujah, and your focus is on the purpose at hand, something powerful is going to happen. You want me to tell you what it is? This is it. They're all connected. They're all connected. Moses is on the mountaintop. He's connected to God. Aaron and her has now connected to the man of God. Now they're connected to God. Joshua and the men are fighting in the valley. Hallelujah. They feel the prayer. They feel the prayer. Now they're connected. They're connected to prayer. Hallelujah. They're connected to God. They're all one. They're all connected. And when they're all connected, they have the same mind and the same spirit. Hallelujah. We're going to defeat them. We're going to win this thing. When they're all in one mind and one accord, Moses is saying, with his arms extended, yes, we are. We're going to win this thing. Aaron and her, hallelujah, connected to Moses is saying, hallelujah, we're going to win this thing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Joshua fighting down the valley with the sword. They're all fighting on different levels. They're all fighting in different places. But until you get engage in everything, until you engage in everything, what does that mean, Pastor? Until you engage in everything, hallelujah, well, spe- well you know what? Praying is my specialty. But it's not the only thing that you have to do. 
until you engage in everything. Joshua's down there fighting, and he's winning. Oh, you might as well sit down because you're going to need to sit down on this. You give me just a few more minutes. Joshua's down there fighting, and he's winning. But he doesn't know that he is because Moses is on the hill holding up his hand. He's down there winning, and he thinks, man, this is all me. <laughs> See, some of you think you're winning because you're such a good fighter. Mm. But you're not winning because you're such a good fighter. You're winning because someone is in a secret prayer closet praying for you. Calling your name out to prevail over your enemies. Somebody's in the spiritual realm saying, hallelujah, they're going to win this thing. They're going to come out of this thing. They're going to be victorious. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, five minutes is getting ready to explode, okay? It's not your works alone, lest any man should boast. And Joshua did not know that Moses was doing what he was doing to help him. He had no idea. He said, oh, pastor, yes, he did. Show me in the word of God. Never says Mo that, that Joshua looks up there and says, Wow. Look, we're winning. You and you fighting. He didn't even know what Moses was doing to help him. This thing is not about you. My gosh. I hope somebody gets it because I'm targeting at least four or five people right now. This thing's not about you. The thing that you're up against right now is not about you. I wish I'd call some names out right now. This thing that you're up against is not about you. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the battle is not yours. It belongs to God. Somebody needs to understand that. What you're fighting against, what you're up against right now, it's not about you. The battle belongs to the Lord. But that doesn't mean you don't have to show up to fight. It just means that, it just means, it just means the victory that you seek is not your victory. Ultimately, the victory that you seek is not your victory. What does that mean? It is the victory. It is the victory. Because God has a purpose in you getting the victory over this situation. You didn't get that. It is a victory. Because God has a purpose in your life to getting you over this situation. It's not you getting the victory. You can talk to yourself and say, wow, Pat. it's not you getting the victory. It's God getting the victory. I'm going to try to help somebody. It's God getting the victory. 
man, you're not using God to get your victory. God's using you to get his victory. I'm telling you, there are strongholds that are going to come breaking down and you will never have to deal with them again in your life. God's about, my gosh, some of you right now, you're facing things, generational spirits, generational strongholds that God is ultimately going to take, that's going to erase from the memory, hallelujah, under this earth, on this earth, under heaven. God is in the process. God has got a plan. God has got a strategy. And it's not you, 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 it's not you using God to get the victory. It's God using you to get the victory. And as soon as you get that, and as soon as you get that strength, we can get down to business. As soon as you get that strength, we can get down to business. What are you talking about, Pastor? You're not using God to get the victory. God's using you to get the victory. That's why he's calling you to prayer. That's why he's saying, I wish you'd get back to what you used to do. That's why he's calling back in your remembrance. Hallelujah. Remember how you used to worship? Remember how you used to praise? Remember how you used to pray through your house? Remember how you used to, my gosh. You're not using God for the victory. God's using you for the victory. Quit fighting against God. God's the one that wants to give you the victory. Get it straight today. Get it in your mind today. God wants you back in anointing. God wants you back singing. God wants you back doing something in the kingdom. God wants you back, hallelujah, doing something in the kingdom of God so we can get down to business. Shakata Ramata If you're using God, that's why you're in what you're in. If you're using God, that's why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. If you're using God, hallelujah, God wants to use you for the victory. Somebody should get crazy on this. I'm telling you the thing that's fighting you is fighting him. You need to get that in your spirit today. The thing that's fighting you is fighting him. And if you understand he's never lost a battle, you understand he's never lost a fight, you understand, hallelujah, you change your praying, you change how you worship, you change how you praise. If you understood, the thing that's fighting you is fighting him. If it's fighting him, it will lose. If it's fighting him, it will be defeated. Tell somebody close to you, God's using you. Ready? 
Now, don't get that twisted. Because if you do, then you become God over your battles. Don't get that twisted because if you do, you become God of your battles and you start manipulating everything that comes in your life trying to get you victory. My gosh, if I had time, if I had time, I'd start talking about hallelujah. When you become God of your battles, you start manipulating everything that comes in your life and you start fighting the thing that's trying to bring you victory. You need to understand that this battle is not yours. It belongs to God. And in order you to get the breakthrough, you don't run against the enemy before you've had an encounter with God. <laughs> Try it again. You don't run against the enemy until you've had an encounter with God. That's what Moses is doing up on the mountaintop. That's what Aaron and her are doing up on the mountaintop. You don't run in a battle until you get an encounter with God. <laughs> when you become physically tired and emotionally tired, spiritually tired, spiritually drained it doesn't mean the battle is not intense it means you have to spend more time with God <laughs> it means I need to spend more time with you Moses isn't the only one getting tired Moses isn't the only one getting weary it's a sign I need to change. It's a sign that I need to change. Get my core back. Get my center straight. Get my priorities in place. So I can work from a position of strength and not a position of strain. Oh, you didn't You ain't going to help me right now. Hallelujah. So I can work from a position of strength and not a position of strain. Some of you right now, you're strained and stressed at a breaking point because you're in a battle that you can't get out of. And you can't stop it. And you can't stop yourself. And you've got to fight the battle. And part of you wants to give up because you're tired and you're frustrated and you want to quit. But you can't quit because you're in the kind of battle that you cannot afford the luxury of retreat. You've got to stand there and arm yourself and fight until you recognize that God is in the midst of the battle and humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm here. 
to serve you. Not just to get out of this thing. Not for this thing just to be over. But God, I'm here to serve you. God, I'm here. I'd rather die on the battlefield serving you. Here we go. Why must the warrior, in spite of his skill set, be faced with a battle that you cannot win through your skill set alone? Because it teaches you how to pray. You will not beat this devil. This is what he does not want you to hear. This is what the fight's been about all day long. This right here. You will not beat this devil with what you can do. <laughs> you will not be able to tap into your core set. You will not be able to use your natural ability and what you did before to get the victory. Because when you do that, there's no room in your life for God. God's not going to let us win this thing on our ability, on our gifting. Hallelujah. God's not going to let us win this thing on our charisma or any skill set that we got. God's saying, make room for me. If you'll make room for me, this battle's not yours. What God was saying was this. Moses on the hill, standing in the supernatural. Moses is basically getting ready to step off the scene. Aaron her beside him. Joshua in the valley. Bef what God is saying is, before you go against Jericho, Joshua, before you go against Jericho, Israel, you must have an encounter with God. Not the traditional religious God. And the perspective of this world of God. But a fresh revelation, vision of who God is. Help me, I'm almost there. We're in a battle right now. We're in a battle right now because people, government, and demonic spirits are trying to annihilate anything and everything that is God. But I come to tell you in all assurity and with all authority and with all, hallelujah, trust in God, the devil is a liar. Yeah. 
I've come to tell AOL today, it's time for radical change and get God out of the box. This is what I've come for today. Here it is. Joshua's there having an encounter with God. Israel's there having an encounter with God. Moses and Aaron and her are there having an encounter with God. Why are we here this morning? Why do we get up and come to church? And if you don't know why, then the church has to come up with tricks and scams and has to entertain you to keep you coming back. You come because you understand that the battle you fight tomorrow necessitates that you spend time, hallelujah, in the presence of God right now. You understand you came to this place today because you knew you had to get in the presence of God that's being directed and, and, and motivated and filled and charged with the mind of God how to get the victory on tomorrow. I'll just preach to myself. I will never see the walls of Jericho come down until I have this experience of God. I will never see my credit come down. I will never see my, my, my debt come down. I will never see tumors come down. I will never see crisis come down. My situation will not come down unless I have an encounter with God. Some of you today should be screaming, speak to me, God. Speak through the praise team. Speak through the word of God. Speak through the man of God. Speak to me, Lord. I need this word. I need this moment. My spirit needs it. I need this encounter with God where I worship him and where I praise him and where I adore him. Without the cell phone ringing, without texts going off, without emails. I need a moment of consecration with the Lord. And not just by myself, but surrounded with the people of God, like Israel. God says, Joshua, you must understand that the ground you stand on is holy ground. <laughs> but Joshua's on the battlefield, he's not in the temple. He's not in the cathedral. He's not in the synagogue. He's not in Bible class. He's not in prayer meeting. God said, ask my people this question. Can you see holy ground 
in a battlefield. Can you see holy ground in a crisis? Can you see this is an opportunity for God to reveal himself? And this is a place right here, right now, that God said, tell my people, I'm here to reveal myself. What are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying this. This is the time we should be more committed. This is the time we need to be more faithful. This is the time we need to be more on fire. This is the time we need to be more passionate. This is the time we need to be more hungry for God than we've ever had. This is the time to be supporting the work of God. This is the time to be supporting the man of God. And like we've ever had before, this is the time when we should be devouring his word. This should be a time when we should be praying every chance we get. And we better get honest about it. And we better quit playing games and gird up our loins and get our armor on and get on fire for God and seek his face like never before. We better get our